Instead, share your food with hungry people. Give a place in your home to poor people who have no home. Give clothes to people who have nothing to wear. If people in your own family need help, do not refuse to help them. That's Isaiah 58, 7, easy version. Strikers, how are we helping those in need? Let's discuss how one pastor is helping those who need his help. God, you are my smith. Forge me into the servant that you would have me be. Hit me hard enough to brush the scale and impurities from my life. Draw out my life to the length that you would have it. Make me tough enough to resist persecution and temper me so that I am hard enough to withstand my temptations. Lord, as I go through life, put me back in the fire from time to time to repair me as I get blemished with sin. And when my life is over and the fires of life are all quenched, Grant me a home with you in heaven. Amen. 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 Welcome, Alan. Welcome, Scott. This is like, uh, we're getting into season three pretty yeah. deep now, so yeah. uh, we've got an interesting guest on today. And yes. when I say interesting, I do mean there's some things that I'm looking forward to. We got him, we got him up against the ropes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real quick, so just a little brushing. Um, strikers, if you have questions or comments, feel free to email us at mightyanvilpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on our website at themightyanvil.com. And find us on Instagram at Mighty Anvil Podcast as well. I got sad news. What's that? There'll be no video. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I know. I know. I uh, get to see our beautiful, shiny faces. Yeah. And just watching me, is, it's very uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. I was like, what are, you, what are you doing? You were saying the prayer and you could just see me going. I don't know. <laughs> I, just, just, I guess I was in prayer, but it looked odd. It was, it was odd. So, yeah, just the editing part of that. It just, it, it really is. I made a mistake. And, uh loading the audio and the video together and uh it's just it's it's a little too much for me but we'll get there you will get there that's that's what it was all about uh, practicing um so our guest today uh one of the most interesting pastors i know uh and there's a reason for that and we'll get to that here in a minute in the quick hits but uh man his heart um for for the op it's totally the opposite of where i am right i think we've discussed this before um, and when it comes to helping people and serving serving uh, people in need, um, I I think we've discussed that I am not. My heart's a little cold to the the people who aren't willing to help themselves, and I'm hoping that maybe, you know, and and I I have a passion for people who want to help themselves. Mm-hmm. So maybe uh, I can get cre uh, my my mind can get changed today, and we can do some get rid of some of this th- stinking thinking because I don't like the way it sounds. It just sounds horrible, but. Yeah, I just know me. So, but uh, with that, um, Pastor Earl Fitzsimmons from uh, Bring the Light Ministries is joining us today. Um, welcome, Pastor. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you. It Thank is. you for honoring. It's been us. a journey to get here. Yes, uh, I've been looking schedule, forward to schedule, reschedule, schedule, 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 <laughs> reschedule. This reschedule. guy, this guy. But it's okay. Yeah, I've always got something going on. It seems like. Um, oh, I think you were the last two reasons we rescheduled. Yes, that's okay. It was me. It was me. Out of town. We take turns. Yeah, so, um, you know. But glad to be here. It was good to see you out, uh, what is it, the week before last? Yes. So, uh, fresh off of your Los Angeles Dream Center experience. Yep. And then uh, right into uh, some Dallas, helping helping out in Dallas. Right. 
And I will, I will have to say that uh, it was an interesting trip, and I don't know if we'll, we'll probably get more into that uh, later, but the way you have it set up, I don't mind going back out. I, I, that Great. sounds weird, but... Not at all. Like, I was a little concerned that we'd be walking around all day, you know, in 100-degree weather, and I would just be beat down afterwards. But you've got it set up, and I would have to, I would have to give some kudos to, I guess, Dallas proper on the way that they have this set up. So before we get too deep into that, let's get some quick hits and get to know the pastor, because uh, pastors are people, too. They are I, I remembered. Yeah. Last time I checked. Yes. Yeah. So, Alan, you want to hit off the quick hits? Sure. So some of the quick hits I have here, um, aside from the Bible, what's your most favorite book that you've read? Okay. So, I mean, you have a couple different categories. Uh, like top, top three. Okay. So, I mean, okay. So I'll give you the top three from my th- top three categories. Okay. So the book that I've read besides the Bible most often in my life would be the uh, J.R.R. Tolkien uh, books, The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings trilogy. Started reading those in high school, and I would read them every year, a couple years, just kind of they're good escapics. Uh, You know, uh, he was buddies with C.S. Lewis, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's some messianic themes in there. Good versus evil, that I like. Uh, as far as all-time impactful books, it's a tie for first. Uh, Diedrich Bonhiever, uh, Discipleship. If you get it in a hard copy, it's about three inches big oh and my. $70. Oh There's a compressed uh, or, or abridged version called The Cost of Discipleship. Uh, that's a good intro. I would uh, encourage everybody after you read that to go save your pennies and dimes and by the by, the full unabridged version. Uh, there's uh, I, I came to know Christ when I was uh, 19 through Camps Crusade for Christ and went right into serious discipleship. So there's a book out called Rediscovering Discipleship. The author escapes me, but it's you can find it mm-hmm. on Amazon. I shared it with a, a local pastor, and he shared it with his father, and his father made everybody on the staff read it. You know, so okay. that's that's how impactful. It was, uh, so those are my three books. Uh, I know there's a historical book. I, I, I love Josephus. That'll be the nerd in me. Uh, I like it because it's from a non-Christian author, a Jewish historian, but yet uh, totally backs up and, and feeds into the credibility of the scriptures. And as Josephus, mm-hmm. okay, tough reads, tough reads. I think it took me a year to read that. Yeah, and so it's hard to understand. Tough read, or it's 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 a history book. Okay, like like a textbook kind mm. of history book. Yeah, and it's one of those books that you'll find yourself well, especially now with Google, uh, is that you're spending so much time looking up the other stuff that feeds into it. It just takes an incredibly long time to to study and absorb it, which is part of the fun of reading it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so. Okay. I, I usually read Cat in a Hat and those, uh, those are tough Green eggs and ham. Green I do eggs. not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam. <laughs> I do not like them in a bus. I do not. Sorry. <laughs> no, it gets me every time, too. When you're not serving, what do you like to do in your free time? Figure out how and what to do during free time. No. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's, uh, I, 
my wife Marie and I have this discussion all the time about free time and uh, I don't know our freest time is is prepping for ministry I mean yeah. and we have a great it's a new marriage we got married in 2019 so I guess we're still in that pseudo honeymoon period but I mean we love our life and we'll we have you know tomorrow we're gonna plant a bunch of flowers Okay. And we've been looking forward to that for three, four days. You know, case, you know, I was. We took my father out for a, a burger last night, and he kind of asked me the same thing. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, we love those Wednesday afternoon four dollar movies. You know, going out on a Friday or Saturday night, fighting the crowd, spending three times the amount of money, no. crammed in your seat. Man, I love this. We got this great. Cinemark movie theater. It's about 10 minutes away from our house. And there's like, I always lean over to her and say, Hey, sweetie, I rented the whole movie just for us. Because you know? <laughs> there's like four people in there. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's great. So I love that kind of stuff too. Okay. Favorite. And, and then I have a t shirt that says, Jesus took naps. Be like Jesus. <laughs> I need to I'm find that shirt. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link. Uh, you know, when you're up at four or five, I get so much done by eight that sometimes, you know, by two o'clock in the afternoon, I've, I've taken two showers and, and unloaded a truck and all this kind of stuff. And, and so those quiet afternoon times are, are important to me as well. So speaking of movies, what's your do you have a favorite movie genre? Oh, definitely science fiction. OK, like I, I was the I was the nerd that uh, I think Star Wars came out right before my freshman year in high school and and we took the bus here in Dallas to North Park and we saw it like you know 27 times you know some days twice in a row nice yeah I was uh, seven years old during that movie so we didn't take a bus my parents wouldn't allow me yeah (laughs) yeah no we took buses to those kind of things here in Dallas it was you know had to walk a couple blocks back in the day back in the day back in where'd you grow up at uh, North Dallas, Marsh, and Walnut Hill area. Oh, okay. I know the area. Yeah. It was real close to where I grew up, close right. to Farmer's Branch and area. Yeah. yeah. So I get to say, back in my day, we had to take the bus to go see the movies. <laughs> there was none of this mom and pop stuff. Multiplex. We were lucky if there was one movie showing. Multiplex. That's my, that's my, that's my New York Jew guy. So, nice. Which I lived in New York, and I am Jewish, so. So uh, we kind of skipped over. Uh, so the core, core value-driven podcast. Okay. Top, top three core values. Top three. So uh, authenticity would definitely be one inside of that for uh, the discipleship and Christian conversation is integrity. I believe that if we call ourselves Christians, just like Jesus said, if you love me, you know, do do what I do and, fo- you know, follow me. And uh you know, integrity is is being what we say and being our word, you know, showing up. I always say there's only one thing I'm an expert in, and that's showing up. Hmm. Uh, and uh, we got to we, we got to be what we say we're 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 going to be. And that doesn't mean perfection. It just means, you know, look at Peter. <laughs> OK, you know, <laughs> we don't have to worry about perfection there. The second would be relationships, uh, you know. People don't really look into what this means, but uh, the Great Commission says go and make disciples. I think inside of that evangelistic preaching is incredibly important to the body of Christ. Uh, However, making disciples requires uh, us being in relationship. And uh, the last thing would be generosity. I mean, 
we can talk about that <laughs> later. That's that's my whole life is is dedicated uh, and is fueled by by uh, generosity. But you know, Jesus said, if you got two cloaks and your brother needs one, give it to him. Yeah. You know, if oh. you uh, Proverbs. Uh, I forget what proverb it is. It says, if somebody comes knocking on your door and they need it and you got it, it's within your power to give it, give it to them. It doesn't say pray over it. It doesn't talk about stewardship. It doesn't talk about any of those things. It says give it to them. Don't make it, make them come back tomorrow. I had to joke there, but I'll leave it alone right now. Could be best. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Favorite or core scripture? Core scripture is Matthew five sixteen, let your light shine before men so that they can see your good works and glorify God. You could actually give it word, word for word. It's on the website. I'm actually, so. yeah, I was going to say that seems uh, like a maybe common theme of uh, bring light ministry. It is. It is. It absolutely is. Right on. Well, before we go there, uh, I, there's. I want to know how a Jew becomes a Christian and stays a Jew. Okay, well, then you got to decide and, and know what a Jew is. Okay. See, people, uh, people Jew, uh, being a Jew is cultural. Okay. It's genetic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, in other words, you have uh, a culture uh, amongst a group of people. Okay. And, you know, there's genetic traits to being a Jew, Ashkenazi or Sephardic. Okay. There's actually... You know, DNA traits that they have, uh, you know, to Eastern European or uh, Mediterranean. Those are the the two types. Uh, And then there's Judaism uh, or being Jewish in a religious sense. Okay. Okay. Connecting the dots there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So if you're a, a, a cultural Jew, then you're you're probably the other two as well. Okay, uh, raised in a. I was raised uh, here in Dallas until I was fourteen. No Jews in in North Dallas, at least not around me. I, I know now where the Jews were, uh, but there was no Jewish people around me. And now moved to Chicago when I was fourteen. In our neighborhood, you were either Irish Catholic, Italian Catholic, or Jewish. So I worked for a Jewish company from the time I was fifteen until I was twenty-four. Like I sang at my first bar mitzvah when I was 16. You know, I was a music major. I studied classical voice for 11 years. Parents Jewish or? Roman Catholic. Roman Catholic. Roman Catholic. Okay, so. So I, in my 30s, I discovered, and this is, you know, I, I, I discovered my Judaism. We'll just leave it at that. Gotcha. For, for in, in my 30s. And then uh, your Christian side I, in you. Yeah, so I, I, was, I was raised Roman Catholic, born again, 19 through Campus Crusade for Christ when I was going to Western Illinois University. <laughs> Simple. I mean, it's a long, long story. You take up the whole show. But basically, I was trying to get in good with a guy who kind of was, like, really popular in... Uh, in the music department, I had spent my first semester drinking and womanizing and, you know, had totally destroyed my reputation in about three months. And I decided that I needed to rebuild my life. And so everybody said, you know, if you want to get back in on the good side of things, you need to talk to Duncan Ross. And, and so uh, I chased this guy around for 10 days. And finally, he said, well, if you want to go to this Bible study, which was the cool Christian group on campus, you got to meet me and this other guy. We got to talk to you. And so they shared the four laws with me. And I was like, 
well, of course I want to accept Jesus Christ in my life. And bam. And it was just like the next day, it was, hi, you remember Duncan? He's going to be your discipler. This is what we do. This is, here's a Bible. We all shipped in to, to buy you a Bible. You know, it's just as what we do as a Christian. Oh, no, we don't do that. Oh, we don't do that. Yeah, yeah I heard you went to a bar and, you know, you know, so that was. Hmm. That sounds like an interesting story. Would have liked to been a fly on the wall or just one of the guys with you. I don't find most of my stories interesting, but that one is. I love that story. Uh, the next question I have is you had mentioned authenticity and you talked about how Christians should be. How do you think that Christians overall portray Jesus and, you know, follow what they're supposed to be doing? Well, I think it, it, to sum it up, and there's and there's two topics that I'll use this tagline. But uh, there's a great old country song. Of course, it's old now, but it never. But a little less talk and a lot more action. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, I think, you know, let's be honest. The Christianity in general, or what I call the body of Christ, we've got a horrible reputation, and we've earned every single bit of it. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's 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 like we need to be doers of the word, not just talkers of the word. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a great uh, Bible study that I did years ago with with two close friends. One of them actually married me, uh, Pastor Leif Angel, and uh, it was called Experiencing God by Blackaby. I think that's how you say his name. But there was an illustration somewhere about midway through that, it, and it, what I took from it was, am I going to ask God to wrap himself around my life, or am I going to wrap myself around God? In other words, is it, hey, God, come over here. I want to do this. Or is it listening to God and God saying, okay, this is what I'm doing. You know, come follow me. I like that. I feel convicted now. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, then the next See, my job is to love you. Yes. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict you, and it's God's job to judge you. So if, if generally speaking, if Christians are, we've earned the reputation, that's not a good reputation. How do we slowly change that so that it can be a good reputation that we, that when, so, so when somebody says, hey, that person's a Christian, they don't go, oh, well. Like how do we how do we go about changing that? Okay, well, first off, do you agree with me? I do. Yeah. Okay. Wholeheartedly, yes. Yeah. Okay, so I'm a guy who disciples guys, and I'm also I've been exposed to a lot of rabbinical style of of teachings. I either teach in metaphors and stories or I teach in questioning. So what do you think the top three things that a man like you with a family can do to be like Jesus. Ooh, he turned that question back on you, didn't yeah. he? I yeah, saw that. because we ask the wrong questions. And by the way, I'm the leader of the mistakes, the financial mistakes, the the poor stewardship, the asking the wrong questions. I'm everybody's behind me. I'm saving the seats for all of you guys because I got here way before <laughs> you did. So, so don't think I got it down. But I will say, in general, we ask the wrong questions. Our reputation is a byproduct mm. of what we do, and that's one of the problems with <laughs> the body of Christ, especially when you're dealing with the homeless and people of poverty, is that we concentrate on what's produced as opposed to producing. Wow. Okay. 
Okay, so we're, we're, we concentrate on the byproduct as opposed to leaving that to God, the owner of the vineyard, mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of being attached to the vine and just, you know, producing fruit. You know, fruit of the Holy Spirit has many parts, but there's only one fruit of the Spirit. has many parts. It's like an orange. Slice it open. It's got all mm-hmm. those little things. That's the fruit of the Spirit. There's no fruits of the Spirit. And if we concentrate on that, God handles the rest. Which, by the way, we're really not supposed to have a great reputation. We're supposed to be persecuted because we're supposed to be so much like Jesus, everybody's mm. kicking our butt. My 888 processor's going. Right. Man, I'm enjoying so, this. So what do we do? What do we do? We do. We do. Yeah. We show up. Yeah. Okay. And I always say, I don't have any of this. I don't have any tolerance for the nonsense of I'm going to try. Okay. Let's be honest. Either you're going to do it or you're not. Right. And I do it. And, I, and, and it's always my best. But I got to realize that m- most of the time, my best is pretty sorry. Okay, I mean, you know, I'm, it's getting better, but my best, if it was good enough, I wouldn't need the blood of the lamb and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in real honest-to-goodness grace. Uh, you know, it's just like, I love that, that movie. Uh, well, this is one of my favorite movies, too. Uh, Moneyball. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and that's the whole thing. They're, they're talking about a different philosophy of putting together a team, and it's just like, what wins ball games? Base hits win ball games. Just get on base. Just yeah. get on base. I spent my 30 swinging for the bleachers, okay, and wound up in a bottle of Jack Daniels hitting a crack pipe behind a dumpster, <laughs> okay? So, but get on base. Let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Let mm. Jesus do the work. Just... Just show up and, 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 and get on base. Sometimes it's a bunt. You know, every once in a while they hit a home run. You know, but just, just show up. Let God do the rest. Get in God's word. Uh, you know, we always say in the program uh, at 14 years sober, trust God, clean house, help others. As Grandma said, if you do the do's, you don't have to worry about doing the don'ts. Hmm. I think I've heard that before. I like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Grandma, truth, though. grandma was smart. Oh yeah, she was very smart. You're, are you speaking specifically in, in your grandmother, or oh yeah, in she general? was brilliant. I remember when I had uh, five years sober, and she had come to Dallas, and she was a rural farm person in Wisconsin, and I was just like, "Hey, grandma, I got five years." She goes, "Big deal, <laughs> I got 80. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love that. I, I can. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's a fallible, and it's caught, and he's out. Right on. Hey, real quick uh, before uh, we move on, let's uh, pay some bills, and then uh, strikers will be right back. Hey, Alan. Ooh, wait a minute. I was just come by to see what was going on, but man, it looks like you got something, uh, something brewing here. What's uh, what you got going on? Yeah, man, as you can see, these storms that we've had lately have just completely wrecked my place. Wow. Yeah, I can see that. Looks like you got someone out here pretty quick, though. Yeah, I got really lucky that they were available, and they're definitely hands-on, pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) I called 214-537-7333, and I asked for Brad Pratt at Legacy General Contracting. 
If you want, you can also email him at B-P-R-A-T-T-S-R at gmail.com. Brad has been involved through the entire process, and it has been absolutely amazing. Nice. Man, if uh, next time these storms come in and I get affected by them, I know who I'm calling. Yeah, definitely. So again, for your contracting needs, contact Brad Pratt at 214-537-7333. And you can also reach him by email at B-P-R-A-T-T-S-R at gmail.com. And we're back. That was an honor, Justin. Yeah. That wasn't a very I good one. Um, one. The place where I met you was in an apologetics class. It was called uh, Forensic Faith, mm-hmm. which I find that word apologetics very strange. It's like it, sounds it like, is a weird word. It's like I'm, I'm apologizing for my faith, and it's, that's not the case it is. Yeah. So kind of what is, what is apologetics? So apologetics is, uh, in English, it would be to have a good answer, okay? Mm. So there's, there's typically, I've been asked to teach on a lot of subjects, and I always typically say no, because if it's not about discipleship, how to study the Bible, or about something about apologetics, typically I will place it in the uh, fast food Christianity, <laughs> okay? Which okay. Uh, I've, I've listened to snippets of your podcast, and, and you're not that. Many, many podcasts are out there. Why do, why, why do we study the Bible? Well, we can just listen to a podcast of our favorite pastor. You know, so I stay away from a lot of peripheral issues uh, and study the basics. You know, we are the most biblically illiterate generation ever to walk the planet. It's a big whitener thing for me hearing that hearing the uh, biblically illiterate word. Yeah, I mean, but it's true. Most people don't even carry Bibles anymore. Is it cheating to carry one on your phone? Well, would you like to live off of a Big Mac? I'm not going to argue with you there. No, I'm serious. No, I mean, it's an important thing. It's one of my little key things because uh, in sobriety, I went back to school to, to be a substance abuse counselor, and I, halfway through my doctorate in clinical psych, which I will not go back and finish. Uh, but I had the choice of buying e-books, or real books. And so, you know, my mother was an English teacher and she would always be throwing books in front of me and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, turn off the TV, here's, you know, Withering Heights or some other crazy, I call I would call them a chick novel, but, you know, they're the greats, they're English and American literature. And, and, and so I started to study this. And so as recently as last week, I try to stay up on the, it's one of the things that I try to stay up on the recent research. And the extreme studies will tell you that we lose 60% of our comprehension when we are reading off of a screen. It's a big dilemma. It's huh, weird. It's a huge dilemma right now in universities because books are really expensive. My last mm-hmm. uh, semester in the classroom, that's why I, I, I quit, because I didn't do the, all the assessment class, but it was 800 bucks for, wow. for my books. 800 bucks for Yeah, I books. think it was like four classes or three classes. It was, the average was like $175 a book. Oh my. Yeah, yeah, so the problem is, is that, uh, our brains absorb less on the screen than we do from the page. Hmm. And if you have any doubts 
feel free to do a Google search and spend about 45 minutes <laughs> in a rabbit hole. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's obvious that it's a huge, huge issue. Yeah, it's, it's weird. You would think that reading is reading, but you're right. saying that it's not. Well, you know, I have a hard copy of a Bible here, and I do my best to, to have it with me uh, at all times just because I am 57 and I forget things. And if I can read a page, I will, you know, that kind of thing. But it doesn't beep. It doesn't vibrate. Uh if my phone's over there and I'm having my quiet time, my phone is over there. Mm. Yep. How many times are you looking on your phone, following scripture in church, and you get an alert or somebody texts you? Well, yeah, I'm feeling kind of bad because no one ever calls me. I need okay. friends. I need friends. No, but uh, to your point, yeah. 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 Well, I, I've been in church, and then you know my Google doorbell says, "Hey, somebody, you know, it sends motion." Right. And that's an instant, like, now I'm taking out of following the Bible, and now I'm looking at, well, who, who's at my door? Right. What package are they leaving? Right. I didn't order anything. Yeah. So people kind of think I'm the crusty old guy. I have another, there's another term for me, hard something. But because I'm on these issues all the time. But like I said, if we saw somebody and all they were eating was, you know, fast food hamburgers and sodas and whatever and they were getting unhealthy we would go hey so there's no scientific evidence that says reading uh off of a tablet or digital bibles or digital anything is anything but harmful (laughs) okay so if you're if you're not getting 60 percent of your food nutrition that's harmful correct yep Okay, so if you're not getting 60% of your intellectual cognitive absorption of your biblical study, that's harmful, correct? Yeah, I agree. Okay, so that's, that's what we're dealing with. So, you know, I mean, I, I, know, I, I know people who are just stalwart about it. Well, I like to do this. Listen, I have digital Bibles, meaning I have like an $8,000 biblical library from when I went to seminary. And I use that for research. However, there's three books in front of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I, I'm taking notes by hand because writing is, it, it has more of a, a, an impression in your brain mm-hmm. yep. than typing. I'm not saying I don't type my notes afterwards, but these are the hard lessons of discipleship that most people don't want to learn, which is why most men aren't being discipled because we're, we're lazy. I liked one thing that you said, and it kind of made me think of uh, you were talking about putting away your electronics and not being interrupted. And whenever you're having a conversation with someone, you don't have your phone out, you know. And if you're in having your relationship time with God, how rude is that to be uh, interrupted and, and not give him your full attention at that time? That's just weird. Right, and that's one of the reasons why I do mine super, super early in the morning. You know, I, I love my wife, and when she gets up, I want to, like, spend time with her. So yeah. I want to have my day started one so that I'm prepared for the day, so that I'm prepared for that time with my wife. Uh, and I want to get that. Trust me, at 5 o'clock in the morning, my house is quiet. <laughs> my phone is quiet. Ain't nobody disturbing me. I got a white little chair that I sit in. And, you know, it's just kind of like, I'm just like, oh, man. I, I bet you I kind of look like the godfather because I'm like, <laughs> God, God. 
Yeda also mentioned something about you teach people how to study the Bible. And uh, obviously this is, we might have you come back and teach people on board. But um, just a real quick overview, the biggest topic, how or what would be the uh, advice to learn how to to do that? Buy a Bible. Okay. Okay. Then buy a Bible commentary. Okay. So people always say, ah, you know... It's so expensive. Is this Amazon, man? I can get you a great world-class commentary for under 20 bucks. And if you don't have 20 bucks, get a little coffee can or a glass and like start using some cash or something and throw a dollar in there. When I got sober, my father taught me how to do little envelopes. We still used cash back then because I didn't have any credit or anything. I was getting sober but i mean you start stashing money away and pretty soon you got 20 bucks you go buy a commentary but mostly and especially now i could there are excuse me there are online uh commentaries and things that you can use in the meantime but the big thing is the big five who what where when and why okay so you can you can Google all those things until you get some books, okay? Because if you're starving and all you have is a Big Mac, you're still going to eat a Big Mac. And, you know, God bless you for the nutrition you're going to get from that. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. It's, it's still going to keep you alive. Yeah, man. It's going to feed yeah. you, man. It's still going to be okay. But, so, but if you got to, that is what keeps us from the crazy of the, hey, let's, let's all start a business or, hey, let's the three of us start a Christian television station because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, you know, that's one of the most misquoted. (laughs) (laughs) It is. We just go crazy with it, especially in the charismatic world. But, you know, if you know the who, what, when, where, and why of that, you would never use that in most of the situations. So it's really simple. You You got a scripture... Uh, you know, I mean, one of my favorite scriptures that I, ho- I hope we get a chance to, to talk about is in, in Matthew 5. And, uh, but it's like, what is Jesus saying? Who is he saying it to? What was the context? Okay. Meaning, so if we're talking about certain people talking in church or they shouldn't talk in synagogues, really, uh, what was the culture like? What was the male and female dynamic at that time? And then we relate it to what what God is telling us today. You can't read the Bible with a 21st century set of glasses. Can you imagine what the apostles were talking about with each other? Hey, well, what about this? You know, some guys were fishermen. Other guys were highly educated. They all had a basic, we would, we would, uh, we would call it, you know, a basic, you know, Torah education, probably until they were 13, uh, which is more than what we've we've had typically. But can you imagine the questioning that they had for each other? And they talked about that, but they knew the root part of the discussion so that they could have the trunk and the limbs and the trees so that they could have all those part of the discussion. So uh, one of the things that recently after being in the LA Dream Center and uh, serving with you that Saturday a couple weeks ago. I don't think people really, you haven't told them what I do. Oh. Yes. Do your tell. ministry. Tell us. Right. What, is your, what is your, yeah, what is your ministry? So uh, Bring the Light Ministries is a ministry to the homeless and to the poor and needy uh, 
right now we're we're ministering in uh, a focus of seven five two one five, which is South Dallas. Uh, probably the most, if not one of the most, economically challenged areas of our city. Uh, the reason why we minister in that is because uh, back in the day, that was the neighborhood. That was my fallback where I could go get what I needed to do what I did in my drug addiction. And when I was working the steps, I got to my amends step and I felt God leading me that I was going to uh, spend the rest of my life making a life amends to this neighborhood. Mm. So we feed the poor. Mm. Last year we did 45,000 meals to the homeless approximately and we did uh, about 40 semis of farmers to families, uh, you know, a bunch of churches in this area did that. But we would do two to three semis three times a month. Wow. Wow. We, we slung a lot of boxes of food. It's amazing. It's a blessing. Yes, it is. That's what I'm saying. We're experts in one thing, showing up. Showing up. Showing up. Trust me, it was, if, if people saw behind the scenes, like organizing three semis a food a week, <laughs> they would just say, Pastor, maybe you better select another occupation. <laughs> but no, we get, I mean, by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit's direction, we, you know, it happened. Yeah. I, uh, but it's a lot of food. It is a lot of food. So that's what we do. There's a lot of food just that Saturday that I was there. That, and Almost 700 meals today, the day you served. And how, what time do y'all start prepping that food? Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. Okay. Man, it, it looked good. It was fried chicken, uh, mashed potatoes, and corn. I haven't had dinner yet, so. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, we like to say prodigal son hospitality. Mm. Prodigal son hospitality. Yeah, so if you were, this is our philosophy. So if you were going to give Jesus, or as Paul said, an angel, you know, if Jesus is hanging out in the streets of South Dallas, outside of the bridge, you know, shelter, hanging out, didn't say he was, you know, but Jesus said he was homeless. He said the Lamb of God doesn't have a place to lay his head. Hmm. Uh, and you were going to fix him a meal. I'm willing to bet that you wouldn't fix him a bologna or, or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. Okay. I'm always trying to think of something funny, and I was like, I like peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I love peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but you're not going to... I'm, I'm just pretty mm-hmm. sure... In By the way, if you gave Jesus a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, he may turn it into a turkey sandwich, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, he would be grateful for it, you know, and Paul would have been grateful for it. However, you know, Paul says, you know, who knows? Well, we're entertaining angels. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, the, the story of the prodigal son in the Bible, even when the, when the son came back, dad was like, we're going to throw a giant feast. My son's returned home. Right. Not like, oh, well, he can have table scraps. Like, yeah. no, we're or, celebrating. Or, hey, man, you blew it. You know? Yeah. The, listen, the son came back and said, hey, I just want to be one of your servants. You know, I, I just want. But the, the, the father was like, oh, no, man. Here's the ring, mm-hmm. you know, because the the tradition of the time, and I don't know the exact details, but basically if he didn't put him again under the protection of his home, they were coming for him. The people, the servants, all those people, they were coming from for him. And coming into sobriety and going out of from jail to my parents' home, I get it. Meaning there were people that were after my butt. Now, I don't mean like dealers or anything like that, but I just meant, you know, I owe taxes, I owe child support, I owe 
this. And, you know, it wasn't like my mother and father said, hey, okay, so we went to this discount grocery store and we bought all the generic, not that there's anything wrong with generic, half of my stuff is generic. But what I mean is they didn't say, okay, you're just, here's your soup, bologna, and, and bread. They set me at the table that they were at, you know. Yeah. Can you tell us something about your ministry that is an incorrect assumption? All homeless people are, are just lazy drug addicts. The Why? people of South yeah. Dallas, they're just, you know, lazy. So why do we have, generally speaking, why do we have that perception? I don't know. When, why do you? Uh, me personally, no, I don't. But okay. So what do you think about the homeless? I think that there, I think that there are some that are just down on, they're having a hard time. They're down on their luck. They, you know, hey last year was crazy you know you couldn't make your house payment and now you're evicted you have nowhere now you're homeless it's insane it is insane i will just say that and the the numbers are growing and we have yet to hear the numbers of the i call it the tsunami of evictions mm-hmm. that are going to be happening i mean uh just in in administrations do this it has nothing to do with the battle that went on before but so the program last year fed uh, per round seven to nine million boxes of food, and this administration is going to be less than two million. So there's going to be a lot of hungry people. Hungry people break laws. Hungry people commit crimes. Hungry people do things that they don't normally do because they're hungry. It even says that in the Bible. Mm-hmm. It says, hey, man, if the guy steals to feed his family, he still has consequences, but, like, you know, he's got to pay him back seven times fold, I, th- I, I, I think it says. So my question to you is, why do you think people have that attitude? Because they don't know what... They don't know how... I guess to my... I don't think they know how people get into that situation. Okay. Scott, how about you? Assumptions. Okay. Assuming, so, assuming you know, the, the homeless people that you typically see are the ones out in front of a 7-Eleven and, you know, look like they're high and, you know, they don't have a job. And so uh, someone who has means is assuming that, hey, well, I'm just making an assumption that, you know, this is what you'd rather be doing or. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think it's assumptions and not actually not, do, not doing the do. Not actually being and, out there and talking to them and hearing their story. I think all that is true. I think that the root of it is a, a double-edged sword. One is is very sharp edge, and the other is a blunt edge. <laughs> I think the sharp edge is that we're judgmental. Me? I said we. Okay. I said we. I didn't say you. <laughs> we're ju- we're judgmental. Okay. And the other is we're incredibly selfish. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to work. Because what yours, I want to be mine as well. Nobody wakes up and says, hey, you know what? I'm 18 years old, and by the time I'm 27 years old, I want to earn $135,000 a year, uh, buy an eight ball of dope every weekend, and drink a fifth of, of the finest cognac or Jack Daniels that I could possibly can, and, you know, ruin my life. You know what I'm saying? Nobody, nobody says that. Nobody says... You know, 
I'm going to go out on a Friday night and my buddies are this, that, and the other thing. I'm going to have a certain amount of something that I know I shouldn't have, but because of mandatory minimums that were put into a place and I'm, a, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm in a certain cultural situation where I'm suspect no matter what I'm doing uh, because of certain profiling, which we know happens. We don't like it. It's not correct to do. It's not godly, but yet we know happens. And then you wind up doing two and a half years in prison. And when you get out of you support your family. Hmm. And I mean, it's that's, those are all factual things. They're extremely uncomfortable to talk about. Uh, and then we got to talk about the fact that, like I said, we're an incredibly, that's the blunt side of the two edged sword is that we're an incredibly selfish society. You know, uh, you know, Pastor Josh from uh, Elevate Life uh, brings it up all the time that the numbers show that the amount of people that actually tithe is mm-hmm. is super super low. I want to say two or three percent actually tithe uh, when there is enough money in the body of Christ. I didn't say the church; I said the body of Christ to solve most of the world's issues. Which, hold on, by the way. I've got this really great book that tells us that's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> Let me just read that right now. Yeah, let, uh, let, sure, uh, sure. Uh, I was going to ask for the who, what, when, and where. Yeah, so this is uh, the book of Matthew, which was primarily written for the Jews. Matthew wrote to the Jews. We all know Matthew, the tax collector, mm-hmm. uh, a historian. And, I'm sorry, that's, that's, that's Luke. But uh, so Matthew is is talking about Jesus, lots of words in red, if you have a red letter Bible. And uh, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 13, he says, you're the salt of the earth. So what did salt do? What does salt do? Bring some flavor out. Bring some flavor out. It breaks things down. Mm -hmm. Uh, I smoked a turkey, so I put lots of garlic and salt on it. So it breaks down those things, the top layer. Uh, it makes things flavorful. It says, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, which, by the way, one of my favorite sermons that I give, and I, I, I used to teach a lot, uh, was about salt in, in, in the most effective way to break down salt is to dilute it. You have a container of salt that doesn't have a lid on it. It's going to absorb moisture from mm-hmm. the air, and it's going to be diluted, so it'll lose its flavor. Just think about social media and everything that's going on today in our lives and the things that distract us, and we wonder why we're not salty. Hmm. It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. Okay, and so now we say, you are the light of the world. Uh, you're a light that cannot be hidden. And then, of course, it goes into the, uh, you know, the whole thing about, you know, let your light shine before men to glorify God. But the most important thing in in Matthew, or one of the things that talks to me is Matthew uh, 26. It says, uh, but when the Son of Man comes, this is verse 31, in all of his glory and his angels, he, would, he will sit on his glorious thrones. All the nations will be gathered before me, and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the flock a flock goats goats from the goats. goats okay so we failed okay we that's okay fail. that's okay and he will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left and then the king will say to those who are on his right come you who are blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you 
from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, man, when did we see you hungry, and when did we see you thirsty, and yada, yada, yada. And he will say... Whenever I, uh, I truly say to you, to the extent that you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And of course, he turns around to the other people who are also thinking that they're righteous. And he'll say, depart from me, you accursed ones, into the eternal fire. For when I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. When I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was sick and in prison, you didn't visit me. And then they'll say, Lord, Lord, when did we see you? And all these things. And he said, whenever you didn't do it to the least of these, Mm. you didn't do it to me. So if we're doing these things, we're not selfish. Okay? Mm -hmm. And and, and this is a matter of obedience. The problem is is that that, uh, our society has transformed it into, oh, man, i got to sacrifice because i got to give to the poor. Oh my God, honey, we gotta we gotta tighten our belt and sacrifice. Believe me, I've lived it. Uh, I've lived the poorest stewardship possibly in the world. I've lived, and I've been on both sides of the fence. And it's not a sacrifice to do these things. You know, every once in a while, I just kind of, you know, because being married to a uh, a pastor who ministers to the homeless is not on the top of most women's <laughs> lists. No. Huh. You know, and so I do the gut check every once in a while. I'm like, sweetie, are you happy? Are you fulfilled? Are you this? And because uh, I know I, we don't have the finances for a lot of these things that you see other people having. And she goes, sweetie, I've never had more in my life than I've ever had now. And if she was here, she would tell you that. So, you know, and that's one, that's the fruit. That's a byproduct of living a biblical life. Is it convenient? No. Is it easy? No, it's difficult. But is it hard? No, rock is hard, water's wet. Uh, obedience is, is obedience. Mm. If you're doing the do's, you don't have to worry about the don'ts. I like that. I like that a lot. So most people think of pastors as the guy on stage. And forgive me if you've already kind of, uh, I think you kind of already answered this before. What makes you specifically choose to serve in ministry rather than a congregation of people? Oh, I'm going to get myself in a lot of trouble now. Uh, Okay, I love a lot of people in the body of Christ, uh, and I know several great churches that that do church amazing. I tell them that all the time. But our modern-day business church building model is a failure, uh, it's 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 ill conceived. It's not biblical, and it it has created a, a a a society or a culture that doesn't live out God's word. Hmm. The reason I say what I say is not because of the quality of the people. It's it's a failed business model. We create these immense. Uh, structures, both physically and financially, that that are so heavy in need 
of financial support to sustain that most of the time there's not finances available uh, to do God's work. Okay, the Bible never commands us to meet for an hour on Sunday or an hour and a half or two hours and have a structured worship. This, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're commanded to have fellowship. Uh, we're commanded to worship God. We're commanded to be taught and the, the saints are to be equipped. But this whole structure, and, and like I said, you can tell by the fruit, the fruit is, is, is horrible. I mean, look at our society. We have almost no positive impact on society in general. <laughs> I can't disagree with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, 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 and so even some of the larger first pioneers in the megachurch model are starting to evaluate 20 and 30 years later, and they're sitting there saying, and because I know I, I do a call with pastors in recovery every week or eh, Maybe not every week, maybe three times a month. But uh, they're, they're like, where's the discipleship happening? By the way, what is discipleship? Most people don't know. What is discipleship? What is discipleship? So what did the disciples do with, with Jesus? And by the way, if you read that book, Rediscovering Discipleship, you'll find the historic model. What did they do? They followed him. They followed him. And did what he did. And did what he did. Performing. And they listened. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. You know, there's, I'm, uh, I do a, a weekly Bible study at a retirement community, and we just started back after COVID. And let me just tell you, one of the joys of my week is 1030, is sitting around the table with eight or 10 people who are 80 years plus. <laughs> you know, and so we're reading the book of John, and it's the part where, uh, the disciples or John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples say, hey, who's that? And John's like, oh, well, that's the Lamb of God. And two of them just picked up and left. <laughs> you know, and then what did they do? They spent time with Jesus to figure out who the heck he was. You know, and, and, and then they lived life with Jesus as followers with Jesus. Had a question that I think I, I know the answer is like, if if Jesus came up and said, "Hey, drop everything you're doing to you, Earl," and I'm like, would you go? And I'm like, I don't even know why that question is there. I mean, I think I kind of already did it. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's, I think you've already done it, and I think you're doing a great job of it. I think from what I saw the uh, last weekend, um, you've got it organized. Like, I, I I don't know if if I we recorded what I said earlier, but. I was kind of hesitant on going down there. Uh, it was a hot day, and my goodness, if I'm worried about being hot, I can only imagine about the people that are living on the streets. Um, but it was a hot day, and I was like, man, this is just we're going to walk around all day, because that's kind of what we did in an L.A. in the park, um, and I was a little concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I have to commend Dallas. I don't know if this is what they, they didn't do that. It was interesting. So we hit a couple of blocks that were together, but there was no houses there. Right, the houses have been abandoned, torn down decades ago. So they're vacant residential streets. There's like six blocks in general, like a, a six block area. And uh, tree lines? Just, uh-huh. uh, yeah. And Where houses used to be and backyards used to be. Yep. And I don't know if this is the right or wrong thing to say, uh, but it, it looked like you couldn't tell if they were camping or not. I mean, it looked, it looked peaceful. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's 
It's, uh, well, it's a different story at night. Uh, you know, you have your tent that is kind of like an old West town. You have your tent where you can get your whiskey. You can get your, you have your tent where you can get your, yeah. And then you have your tent where you can get your other, yeah. You know, and it's just kind of, you know, that's kind of where the quadrants are during the day. You know, where it's, it's, it's very, very calm. It's, it's dirtier underneath the bridges, uh, it's, I mean, there's even classes amongst the homeless. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Hmm. What's the most challenging thing about uh, the ministry? Oh, fundraising. Absolutely. Hmm. At, yeah, I mean, people do not, that you know. So I did some work with another charity for breast cancer uh, during the AIDS pandemic. Heavy, heavy into to work raising money for people's treatment of AIDS and and had some really incredible experiences in, in uh, ministering during that crisis. And people would write checks easy. But you say you're going to feed South Dallas that you want to open. Right now we're raising money for a warehouse. So we're raising $100,000 for the building fund. And then uh, the budget is we're probably figuring about fifteen to $18,000 a month. So that's, you know, about a quarter of a million dollars if you put some padding in there for things that are unexpected and growth and all that kind of thing. Man, let me tell you, people think I'm crazy. People could, in general, could care less about the body of Christ south of, of 635 or south of downtown. I mean, they're just like, really? What's going on? You know, I mean, I'm just like, have you driven down there? Oh, my God, I wouldn't go down there. That's dangerous. I'm just like, you know, those are some of the greatest people I've ever encountered in my life, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, Marie and I, if we, if we didn't rent a house, we, if we were going to buy, we'd go buy in the hood. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, those, that's, those are our people, man. I mean, it's just like warmth and, and, and tenderness and, but people are starving in the streets. I mean, I brought some, some figures here. So raising money for these kind of, you know, these, these are people, we're talking about generational poverty in South Dallas, okay? Okay. You know, uh, I think Bruce Hornsby had a song, you know, they may have done a lot in 64, but that doesn't change the mind of the guy that's looking for, you know, of what what the person is, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, the, we This is an area of our world where the body of Christ lives in what they call a food desert there's not a grocery store within miles Hmm. the city of dallas offered incredible incentives for any of the major uh chains to to and and they wouldn't touch it so Hmm. raising money for people whose uh annual income cap is 20 is seventeen thousand dollars and the household income with double income is like $27,000. That's my greatest challenge because we're selfish, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying I learned the hard way. Cause I used to be Mr. Electronic. If it was electronic, I would get a new computer every year. I would do this, you know, so this is an iPhone eight and you want to know what I got my emails. I got a couple apps, bring the light ministries. We have an app, by the way, just go to your iPhone you know your app store you can download it but like this is i I, what are we on 13 now 12 or whatever yeah one of the guys that i disciple just pulled one out he goes you know 
$18,000 to the IRS. And he's like, hey, pastor, let me take a picture. And I'm just like, hey, is that a new iPhone? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, what happened to your other one? He goes, ah, well, this is new. <laughs> That's our society. That's our society. What's well, $84 a month when we added up that and some other things? Not that the iPhone costs $84 a month. I'm not saying that. But, I mean, we added up a bunch of things because we had the IRS discussion. Mm -hmm. You know, just giving up stupid little opulent things. They're so hard, though. <laughs> we make I mean, it hard. It's, yes. it's, That's it's, because we're selfish. I think it's a mindset. Yeah. I honestly think it's a mindset. I, I There was a, something I was listening to, and they were talking about cars and how they have a lot of the car companies now, are they all tout the 100,000-mile warranty. Everything's a 100,000-mile warranty. And the reason why they say that is because when your car starts to get close to 100,000 miles, people start automatically thinking, I need to replace it. Well, it still runs right. It still drives right. So what do you need to replace it for? Well, it's old now. I got to get the new one. It's got the new stuff. It's got a better... Better seats and better right. leather. Right. And most financial planners in the world will tell you that one of the worst investments you could possibly make is a brand new car off the lot. I want to buy a car that's used that you've paid all the depreciation for. Yes. <laughs> My pastor Earl is not going to pay depreciation on a, on a vehicle. <laughs> I am quite happy buying a... Uh, a, a, you know, a car with 75,000 miles on it that's going to run and with 200, 250,000 miles that somebody else has paid all of the depreciation on. I feel like that's a gift from God. But yeah, that's the most difficult part is because people are selfish. They want what they want, that what they, you know, and they think somehow that they've earned it. Okay, it says in Deuteronomy, God gives us the power to earn wealth. Okay, it doesn't come from us. Yes, I toss in my sweat, I toss in my ability, my my but all that stuff is from God. And everything I earn is from God. Every penny is from God. Did he give it to me so that I can have the newest 60-inch LCD TV set every two, three years while my old one was working perfectly. That's the conversation I'm in. Mm -hmm. You know, so this book on uh, it says God and money. It's it's uh, by a couple of Harvard grad students. And I brought you all both a copy. It started as a 30 page, uh, you know, grad school project turned into an 80 page white paper. And now it's a book. But uh, great question they said you know when we were studying the scriptures we became very apparent that the question wasn't how much we should give it was how much we needed to keep how much we really needed to keep which which likens back to what francis chan said i think it was four or five years ago in it's either crazy love or letters from the church he says uh, something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing, what's wrong with, you know, given your geographic region, that's my aside, you couldn't do this in New York City. But if you make $150,000, what's wrong with living a $60,000 lifestyle and giving the rest to God? Mm -hmm. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Well, according to society. According, is. yes. Yeah. Because, you know, there's this whole legendary mythos that we've made up about what a man's supposed to provide for a woman 
and what's this and what's that and all that kind of thing. And it's just made up nonsense. It's not biblical at all. You know, when did Jesus ever say, hey, I'm going to come so that you could have the best chariot? That was in uh, Scott 4. <laughs> <laughs> no, God wants us to have nice things. He doesn't want us to live in poverty. But he never said we had to be hungry. Mm-hmm. Man, you got me thinking today. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just I'm the electronics guy. That when you when you mention the elect, that's me. That's that's totally me. Like, granted, I'm not buying like a new TV every two or three. But years. But you know what but, I'm saying? Yes, you, I definitely. We yeah. all know those people. Oh, yeah. We know those people. You know, and in relation to money, this is in the what's the most difficult. And I was having this discussion a couple of months ago with my best friend, who's a pastor. And uh, he's like, I think you're down. He goes, it sounds like you're down on, on people with money. I'm like, oh, no way, man. Kingdom of God is, man, in capitalism, that's a gift from God. However, God is very clear. There's the person with the one talent. There's the person with the two talent. And there's the person with the five talent. Mm-hmm. No skill, medium skills, highly skilled. In other words, there's going to be those five talent people that are going to have a very affluent, wealthy lifestyle because they're going to attract and God's going to work within those wealthy. And that one talent guy can't, most of the time, ain't going to reach those five talent guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's just be honest. I've 35 years of sales experience. It was like if I wanted to deal with a Fortune 500 company, I had to have a Fortune 500 type car. I had to have a Fortune 500 product. I had to have a Fortune 500 suit all the way down to the shoes. That's just the way it is. Those guys didn't want to deal with some ragtag broom salesman, that kind of thing. However, mm-hmm. the problem in our world is that we all think God wants us to be the five talent guy. Hmm. Different fingers on the hand, right? Right. They all have their own job. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I spent on the financial side, if the body of Christ is hands and feet or whatever, we all know what I spent most of my life, what part of the body I was. <laughs> I'm sitting on it right now. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is is that we're not all it's clear in the Bible that we're not all going to be riding around in the golden chariot and that's not what God wants. Cuz you want to know what the guy that shows up down in South Dallas driving the Lamborghini to minister to the poor people, they're like really? <laughs> really? You know, how are you using that opulence? Because I believe in prosperity. I believe in the advancement that capitalism is a gift Mm -hmm. for the kingdom of God, not to make sure that I've got, you know, a closet full of suits, you know, not that I have the biggest house. Okay, because what am I doing with that gift? How is that benefiting the kingdom of God? And everything in our lives should be geared towards that. Hmm. So, am I taking care of myself? Or am I taking care of the least of these? So the most difficult thing is when I look at people and I say, I'm raising $100,000 to get a warehouse because in the last month I've turned down the equivalent of one or two semis of food 
for the needy because there's not a place for us to work and do what we do. Uh, so I, I'm raising $100,000. Will you give me $10,000? And the person could easily afford that. And they're just like, yeah, you know, that's just not my thing. And how can I pay for my Lamborghini? Right. So. Or, or I had this conversation, and you and I spoke about this in the warm-up conversation for this. Hey, Fitz, I'm not going to be able to give you my $1,000 donation for July and August because I'm taking my, my family on a whirlwind, blah, blah, blah vacation. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll just tell block so-and-so whatever. I, and I'm not saying vacations aren't important. However, there's got to be a stewardship lesson that you got to take away from the poor so that you can take your family on an opulent vacation. And I toss that word around a lot because the most difficult part of the ministry is dealing with uh, what should be biblical prosperity that we've perverted into an opulent lifestyle. I'm going to have a lot of stuff I need to look up. <laughs> right. Biblical prosperity is one of them. Yeah. I mean, what is a biblical, pro- and not the prosperity gospel, because, I mean, I, I think most of us really realize that the jets and the, you know, that everybody is not going to be wealthy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, don't send all of your money to blah, 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 blah. You know, it's just, uh, you know, we're storehouses of God as well. You want to look at the books, you're more than welcome. So what is God working on you, with you, in this season? <laughs> Loving everybody right where they're at. You know, I had somebody the other day, uh, actually, no, this was, okay, we'll go, we'll go even further further back. Some years back, I was raising money for 5,000 Bibles for the Dream Center mm-hmm. because the people that lived there didn't have, they were running off of hard copies and, and the third year students didn't have study Bibles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, you've come off the street, you've cre- co- you're completing a three-year program, sober, dedicating your life to being a service God, and you don't have a study Bible. So I was approaching a group of businessmen and, and I went to the last one and I said, hey, I need this. And he goes, well, do you have a plan besides coming up and begging me for money? So that's what God's working on me with because, praise Jesus, I remember the book of James and how I needed to, my tongue needed to give life. (laughs) (laughs) I called my buddy who's a pastor and, and he talked me off the ledge. And so that's what, you know, because I just don't get it. I know I, I just don't get it. You know, how many times do you need to remodel your kitchen? People are, are starving in the streets. They're starving for the word of God. They're starving for help. Jesus fed the 5,000. Uh, it's really hard to talk about the, the, the godly things of life when somebody doesn't have anything to eat. We're uh, at the time. So did I answer your question? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So at, at this time we uh you know we're trying to wrap up and and kind of respect the time of our listeners. Is there some things that you uh really want to say? Is there anything that uh we didn't get out of you that you find in No, the need just the need in Dallas is great. Uh you know, we're just it's the 
we uh, have we've risen to the the call, the need. Like I said, we're proven. Uh, we're raising twenty five thousand dollars for uh, back to school supplies for South Dallas. We want to double what we did last year. Last year we did fourteen hundred backpacks. Like I said, we're raising uh, $100,000 for uh, a down payment and some work on a on a, uh, a warehouse. We're not sure whether it's gonna be lease or bought, but we figured both ways, the budget is pretty clear. And then, uh, you know, ongoing monthly support for the, the warehouse. You know, I got, a, I got a, a half a semi, no, eight pallets of food coming next Thursday and we don't have any money to rent it any place to put those eight pallets of food. And I'm not, I'm not going to. So by the time this airs, that will have already happened. So we know that God's going to supply that need because we're putting our, our yes. stake in the ground. Yes. Uh, we're going to be the two spies. We're going to be Joshua and Caleb. We're not going to be the 10 spies. They say, oh, there's giants in the land. <laughs> <laughs> and where can people go to give? Uh, bring the light minist- bring the light dot org. So uh, you know we use push pay, which is all the we're a five hundred one c three charity. Uh, if in as a matter of fact, so yesterday we just got a uh, I formed a non religious five hundred one c three as well because there are certain corporations that because of their bylaws are not allowed to give. So uh, there, it's it's the truth. There's there's major corporations. I'm in friendly guys. Like I've had managers saying, "Brother, man, this is awesome," but I, I, I can't write this check. I mean, because it's against our bylaws. So so yesterday we uh, we we got our five hundred one c three letter for that. It's called three eighteen outreach. Uh, the reason three eighteen is three eighteen is because that's how much money I had in my pocket when I was uh, like forty days sober when I did my very first outreach all the old timers in AA made a collection gave me 20 bucks I bought $20 worth of tacos at Taco Bell but I had $3.18 in my pocket so that's what I called it nice yeah I'd love I've been waiting for that's awesome. 14 years to do something with that number yeah. I mean that's because that's just cool so yeah so you go to bringthelight.org uh, we're a 501c3 you can Find me on Facebook. We're Bring the Light Ministries has a Facebook page. Earl Fitzsimmons. What does the app do? What What all can you do within the app? You can give. You can schedule uh, coming out and helping us out and serving the needy. It tells you the times. We do an outreach on Tuesday, Saturday. We used to do Thursday, but we don't have the funds. Hmm. He says... I'm sorry. I'm still blown away by uh, by some of the corporations not being able to give to a religious. Uh, that that like why why is that even a topic what? for another show? Oh, man, really. Tune in next time on <laughs> WGOD. All God, all the time, where we discuss why a corporation can't give to a religious organization. That is that that just that I don't know. It blows. It's mind boggling, but it makes sense. Well, especially since there's not a lot of people doing stuff around here. I mean, you would think there were a couple incidences where we struggled to give away the two semis of food. Mostly that was organizational fine tuning that we were lacking perhaps. But 
I mean, we're talking about people waiting in line on street corners and walking away with cases of food because, you know, and kids coming over. Hey, my mom asked if she could have a second because there's five of us and dad's in prison and, you know. I'm going to ask a question. So, is this is, is it the it same? another one that's going to get me in trouble? <laughs> no, no. Because like already half of the churches like they're like, oh yeah, so we're a failed business model, huh, Pastor? Oh yeah, this week I think we'll be directing our finances to Zimbabwe. Sorry. Yeah, I hope that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> I just I would feel horrible. Thanks, Alan. I for did say. I know some really good ones, didn't yes. I? Yes. yes. So all you guys who got offended, maybe I was talking about you. Maybe <laughs> you're the really good one. Uh, the world may never know. Do you serve the same area? Is it the same? Because one of the things I noticed with... Uh, My greatest dream would be to come home with food. Yeah. So uh, a tradition here is we have our guest pray oh us out. God. A tradition. Well, you don't like that word? Tradition. Tradition. I think we need more traditions in this Fiddler on the roof, you know. Uh, Ah, I see what you did there. Bringing it back to the first question of the Judaism. It's it's my way. Yeah, so if you could pray us out. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, Awesome. We'd love that. Oh, and one last thing. So I brought you guys copies of my two favorite books on God and money. One of them is just that, God and Money, How We Discovered True Riches at Harvard Business School by John Cortines and Gregory Bauer. And then, of course, a classic by Randy Alcorn. Uh, many people know him from The Treasure Principle, Money, Possessions, and Eternity. And these are pretty much the most biblically sound books and I would recommend them and I don't know if when you do your website if that could be listed. Yeah, I'll put those in there. Give our donation link and all that kind of thing. But yeah, so let's pray us out. Father, we just thank you for uh, meeting us where we are at, Father, and uh, Lord, you are moving in ways that we can't see and we thank you. And Lord, I thank you for my brothers in Christ who uh, tolerated me and invited me and uh, spoke on just the incredibly difficult subject of homelessness and money and father just break through the money taboos that we in america have here and uh so that we can truly enact what your word commands us to do father and take care of the needy let uh this biblical message take root in all of our lives in a greater way greater application and greater meaning and we just thank you lord in ask you these things for your name's sake through your son jesus christ amen amen Amen. thank you for the books i will definitely uh i need to learn on my stewardship so yeah one is like leg day at the gym and the other (laughs) is uh bench pressing so you can pick whatever you want Uh, i love leg day yeah it's always fun leg day's good sitting down afterwards Uh, two days after leg day is like oh lord (laughs) like why did i do this yeah. Right on. Well, the Strikers, uh, until next week. Striker? I don't even know her. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting all time, all evening to do that. Right on. All right, guys. We'll see you all later next week.